Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of West Coast Knicks. I am your host, Matt Ritter, here in the L.A. studio. With me uh, again is uh, Cousin Mikey. Welcome. Hey, what's going on? So we went to Summer League together. We watched uh, the free agency play out. We got to see our Knicks uh, young guns. And uh, I'm excited. You know, you were cautiously optimistic about my Knicks. Now the roster has filled out. Um, right now they're talking about point guards. It's a big issue for the Knicks. It's uh, probably one of many weak points for us. Calderon as a starting point guard doesn't really give me uh, much good feelings based on last year's performance and the fact that he's in his 30s and he's not quick and it's a you know quickness-driven league. But I am excited about our backup point guard situation uh, where we've got Jerry and Grant and Langston Galloway. So I wanted to just talk about that a little bit right now because they're going to be battling for minutes. I mean, I think there'll be extra minutes going around at the shooting guard position as well because we're just thin at guard. Uh, what what are your uh, sort of feelings between between Galloway and Grant? If I had to put a gun to your head and said who should get you know the first call when Calderon sits, it's a very good question. Um, I think it, and and more importantly, I think that whoever you choose in that in that uh, situation is going to be probably have a pretty good chance of winding up with a starting position through either you know change and or uh injury or what have you because you know it's like you said you're starting with a um at this point a pretty susceptible to injury pretty damn old starting point guard in uh in uh jose calderon so um two different two different types of guys um you know we, we 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 were really impressed with Jerry and Grant and his ability to mix it up defensively and play pretty hard on both ends of the ball where Langston Galloway seems to be more of the kind of guy you want to pick up and run with you know he's the kind of guy who might shoot a little bit too much but he can run the floor he can distribute he can he's probably going to be less of a of a triangle type of guard that you know that Calderon appealed to fans going into last year with yeah but and again that was like the allure of Calderon, and it was a complete—he was a complete non-entity. I mean, health may have been an issue, but he just wasn't a strength in any way, shape, or form out there. Right, right, right. I mean, and everyone looked at him as as somebody who would probably be able to manage the floor better with a unique style and play defense well. Yeah. Is what the I think that's like an '80s anachronism. Like, oh yeah, you know, Bulls didn't have a point guard; they had Steve Kerr and B.J. Armstrong, and like. Everything worked out fine. It was a much weaker depth-wise league in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, you can't get away. I don't think we're in a league where you can just get away with having a game manager at any given position in a, in a lot of ways in this league anymore. That's a very fair point. I mean, you know, that the, the way offense has grown and, and become more complex and more dependent on interdependent on all the pieces in the, in the offensive set... Um, is very different from what we saw growing up in the 80s, 90s, and what have you, where, you know, a lot of ways, most of the league was iso ball. Yeah, it was like, let's triple team Jordan. Hey, Steve Kerr shoots 57% from three. Yeah, because he's shooting in a wide-open gym. And he's, yeah, and he's shooting in a wide-open gym in, in a league that hasn't really figured out at that point that the three-point shot is so efficient and so such a, a achievable way to, to win that the teams weren't, 
teams weren't planning to get that ball in that corner right. with such regularity. Totally, and, and and that's what scares me about Calderon in general. Like, what is he? Does he bring anything to the table? Because like, oh yeah, he's a great three point shooter. Well, maybe because he was getting the ball open a lot. I haven't looked at the numbers on like his contested threes, but he didn't look like he could even get off a three pointer last year for the Knicks. And again, maybe he was hobbled by injury, but he just didn't look like a weapon anyway. Right. But one thing, one thing that I think should be uh, should be a good a good sign, or at least something that'll help him this season as opposed to last, is that you got a, a lot more competent kind of pieces on the floor. I think last year. Now, nobody out there other than Carmelo, obviously, is going to be, you know, a marquee name. You know, all these guys that, you know, I got pretty excited about as, as sort of a basketball junkie that we signed in the offseason here. Um, these guys, these are guys that will make Calderon as a scoring uh, regu- scoring regularly kind of less of an issue, right? And he can- I, I do like the term competent. I think it's, it's, it's sad mm-hmm. that, like, that was our, you know, if that was our goal, mission accomplished, we have a competent roster of NBA players now. Right. But, you know, that that can work in, in the sense of, you know, the Houston Rockets, in in theory, really didn't have a point guard almost all of last yeah. year. You know, and now you yeah. can say, well, James Harden, you know, handles the ball. And yeah, just, Mello doesn't bring the ball up in that way. You right. Know? But, but but maybe all we're, all we're really asking of our guard in this situation is somebody to take the ball, maybe even kind of half of less of a duty than he had even last season. And so... Um, I think Langston Galloway, from what I've seen, and I'm not going to yeah. pretend that I've watched tons and tons of him, yeah. but he seems like the kind of guy that you'd want as your starting or as your, your heavy minutes point guard on a team where he's going to be a score first or let me yeah. make sure I, like you said, become that decision maker. Whereas what we want to do, in if we're going to run even close to as much triangle as we wanted to last year here, we're gonna want a guy who can just dump that ball in and start and start the movement, right? Right. And just sort of get out of the way and let the other two or three guys who are on the on the strong side start creating and moving the ball to a mismatch. And so I think Calderon will be okay at that and will be effective at that as long as we've got other guys spreading the floor, like like a Karen Ser- Kevin Serafin. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy Grant will be on the floor as well at times. Thanis Antetokounmpo if he becomes a shooter. Other guys around. You got Melo yeah. on the floor too. Uh, you know what I like about Jerry and Grant is his size. He's six five right. and he's an athlete. We saw that in summer league. You know there weren't that many like tremendous athletes. Like he's a tremendous athlete. He's six five. He's lean. I think he's already a better shooter than Langston Galloway from what I can see. Uh, I think he also had what I would call like a, a point guard confidence? I don't know. There's some sort of like point guard confidence coming out of him. I don't know if that's a thing. Definitely, definitely. That is a, you know, that that's the position you can almost see right from the first few dribbles. If you've never seen a man play, yeah. you can tell what level of readiness he has just by his poise. Whereas on the flip side, like Galloway's a second year guy, you know, when we watched the other second year guys in Summer League, they kicked ass. And he didn't really dominate like the way you would expect a guy who's had a year of NBA play under his belt playing against, you know, guys who aren't even going to make the league. It was a little, I don't know, it was a little dis- disheartening for me. It was worrisome. I agree with you. The, the thing that's funny, I had a conversation recently with somebody. We were talking about how the second-year guys going into summer league, uh, we, were, we were talking about Zach Levine in Minnesota as an example of a guy. Um, there is another way to look at that if you really want to sort of blow some smoke up your own butt about what you're seeing. Yeah. A guy like a Zach Levine, you know, you say, all right, let's watch this guy dominate summer league. And he did have a 30-plus point yeah. game that where he was just showing out. But 
Um, for the most part, in a way, there's sort of that they some of these second year guys almost treat it like an all star game where they're where the yeah, pressure to no, perform has actually decreased. Um, that's not what we saw in Langston Galloway. We yeah. saw a guy who maybe even took a half a step backwards, feeling the footsteps of, of these oncoming young this yeah. oncoming young squad that's going to be burning up. And and you see that you see guys like that. Once a once a guy like a Galloway who had heavy minutes at the point guard position last year for the Knicks is asked to play heavy minutes in summer summer league, we're already looking at a guy who might might feel a little bit more pressure because he he, he feels that competition and in some cases is asked or feels like he must do too much to show himself to show show his work. So you think the pressure was on? And I think the pressure kind of... was on, but I still didn't like what we saw. Yeah. Nonetheless, so you're right. I, I, look, I'm I'm of the mind that we've wiped the slate clean basically. Mm-hmm. And you know we got rid of a lot of losers. Yeah. And if Gangs, if Langston Galloway uh, isn't ready to step up, step aside immediately. You know what I mean? That's just how I feel. I'm like you're either you're you're part of the old regime, which was a 17 win debacle, mm-hmm. or we're wiping that clean and you're part of this new future of the Knicks, which is all competent players. I don't want anyone who's not quote unquote competent, which means I want a point guard who can shoot 40 percent from three when he's open. You know. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and uh, it, it, in the absence of that, at least you want a couple guys on the floor who can. Yeah, you, but I like look. I like Galloway's aggressiveness. The flip side is I like him. He's aggressive. It's good to have guys who can handle the rock and will drive to the hoop. He'll do that. Both him and Grant will do that. Uh, uh, look, I'm a Grant guy. From what I saw, he's just you know I'm gonna go buy a Grant jersey. All right, this all week. right. Yeah, like before the season starts, I'm gonna be in New York and shopping for Grant jerseys. Anyway, moving on. Uh, ESPN came out with predictions for uh, wins and losses on the year, and uh, I wasn't too happy with uh, <laughs> where they, you know, ended up with the Knicks. Uh, I don't think anyone I've spoken to has been happy with those with those projections. Well, <laughs> except you mean, maybe you Dan, mean across, maybe you Dan mean, Gilbert. You mean across the board, uh, not just Knicks. Yeah, every, everyone everyone's a little underwhelmed with where ESPN has them at, at this point. Well, well, let's just quickly break down the Eastern Conference. I don't want to get through go through every team, but obviously they had Cleveland at the top, uh, along with Chicago, followed by Atlanta taking a little dip, and then at four they've got Miami stepping up. They you know got added a couple pieces, and then they've got Washington, basically kind of Washington and Toronto five and six, kind of staying where they were last year. Milwaukee kind of staying where they last year were, you know, maybe a slight improvement at seven, and then Boston at eight. So, not a lot of change in the Eastern Conference, according to these predictions. Indiana does not return to the playoffs. They narrowly miss well, with Paul George's comeback. I can see that. Charlotte at 10, and then they've got, uh, you know, sort of the bottom feeders, we would call them. Your Pistons at 11, which you're probably not happy about. The Nets at 12, which I could see them fall, the bottom falling out completely. Uh, Orlando, who, you know, everybody's been calling the team of the future. I guess the future isn't arriving because they're predicting them at 13. And then at 14, they've got the Knicks uh, projected to win 25 games just ahead of the Sixers, who are going to be a debacle again. Do you take issue uh, with, with these rankings in any way? And if so, who's the biggest uh, mistake that they're making? Uh, the second question is, is going to be much tougher because uh, because the answer to the first is that, no, I don't take issue with any of these rankings because I really honestly, uh, truth be told, don't believe to, in them uh, to have really any, I don't consider them really much beyond, you know, what, what their projections are and, and why. I'm curious, and that's about where it ends because almost anyone you talk to with a half a brain looks at the layout of the Eastern Conference and sees... Just about anything can happen, and I don't mean that in the, you know, 
oh my god, anyone can win. Right. But that playoff picture is going to be a giant cluster. There will, yeah, there be, will probably be two teams on this on this list that they don't have making the playoffs as making the playoffs. Exactly. And you know, it's funny when we when we think about what our basketball discussions and what we look at throughout the 82-game season before the playoffs and going into the playoffs on a day-in, day-out basis. With so much minutia and all that we were looking at the course of a season and people going down and teams going on runs and teams go, going through slumps. And this, it's an ever-changing face of Fine. who's looking... No, 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 but, yeah. but by that, what I, what I mean is um, I'm, I'm clearly upset that they have the Pistons at 12. Okay. But I can see them, even ESPN as an organization, quickly abridging that and moving them up to fifth in two months into the season. Where And I, and I feel like that for almost any of the teams. Now, I have my opinions on these right. teams. Right, so you're... So you're opinion is that Detroit is the undervalued team in this. They're in definitely this. undervalued in those rankings um, and, and in terms of... Are they last year's Atlanta? I wouldn't go that far because I, I don't I don't, I don't see their system coming out of the gate with the strength that Atlanta had. I think that they're going to have to um, How about this? Themselves. Could Miami win the East? Miami could win. Miami's a perfect example of a team that is basically, to me, almost anywhere on that trajectory. I, yeah. I could see them winning. A healthy East. Miami. A healthy Miami can and will be a dangerous presence and, and could possibly win the East. Yeah. Um, a couple of injuries and a couple of unfortunate games. They miss games, the playoffs. They don't just miss the playoffs. They turn into a lottery team at some point. Can Milwaukee win 50 games? No. Milwaukee could win... You know, forty games. Yeah, so you're not high on Milwaukee. You think they they're they're kind of already at their ceiling, even though they're young. I think that Milwaukee's going to have a sort of a lateral season. I okay. think that you know, I, oh, Jabari Parker coming back and Monroe. You don't think that does uh does does a lot for their wins? Well, I just uh, Jabari Parker and, and Monroe are both assets. Um, Jabari Parker, I think, we'll have to see him play sustained and healthy, and hopefully he'll be you know essentially a, a rookie for, yeah. for purposes of their improvement. Um, the Greg Monroe thing, look, Greg Monroe is going to be interesting because he's runs counter to everything that system usually asks for uh-huh. and everything they've done in the last two years. You know, he, he's he a takes bit of a away black some hole, of their isn't he? Well, defensively, he's slower yeah. on rotations. He's not a good help defender, and he doesn't have the length that everybody on that Milwaukee roster seems to have, like to the point where, you know, they, they went out and got Michael Carter-Williams, presumably yeah. based just on his length. They want to run one of yeah. these new hot you know, let everybody, you know, Utah's right. doing a similar thing on their floor where Michael Carter know, Williams still can't shoot. Oh no, he can't. And then, and, and I, I don't think, know if he ever will. I mean, it's like season. Jason Kidd maybe have be wearing rosy colored glasses of, Oh, I couldn't shoot. And now I ended up being one of the all time, uh, three point shooters when I retired. Maybe he's like me. I feel like Isaiah had that same problem where he would draft or he would, you know, coddle these, uh, Starberry types. Cause he thought, Oh, there's something similar to what I had. You know, I had the same issues, and I worked them out, and I became a Hall of Famer. I don't know. You think there's something to that? There's definitely something to that. Um, it's very easy for people who are not on the inside to say, well, shooting is the easiest thing to teach somebody. Yeah. You know, that's a great statement, but, well, do it then. You know, yeah, I can't teach shoot. teach everybody who are, yeah. No one's I'm taught us. We've been, we've been waiting for that yeah. to be our first. Uh, I go to the gym. I take 100 free throws a day. Why am I still at 62%? You sound like filling All Star Center's name here. Yeah. Claiming, making All right. Nice I want to talk about my Knicks because I am pissed too. You may be pissed about that. I'm not that. But go ahead. I really don't. And I'm being serious about that. I almost. I. I, I take no. Um. I. Take, I really take. No I'm pissed. And I, and I take no exception except through just pure joy when they do stuff like rank Kobe. No, the, I know, am. Yeah. No. I love that. If Kobe's not in the top 500, I get giddy. <laughs> but I am pissed. 
25 games really, really, really pisses me off. Isn't that like a 30% improvement or something? Yeah, 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 no, but here's... Why did that piss you off? Here's why it pisses me off. Uh, Because if you look at Melo's entire career, he's been a winner. Okay? And up until two years ago, when the Knicks won 54 games, you would have said there's no way a team with Melo is going to win less than 50 games. Because that's just how his career went. I mean, he was, you know, an eight, a, a top-flight player. And then, you know, the Knicks lost some important pieces, Chandler and Kidd, etc. And they won 36 games. It wasn't like, you know, they, they bottomed out. But last year they bottomed out for a lot of reasons. One of them was it was a house-cleaning. Two, Melo didn't play. I mean, he wasn't really, you know, he, he played, you know, less than half the season. Uh, so if Melo would have been there, even for this train wreck of a season, you, you got to figure they win another five to ten games, you know. So realistically, what they're saying is that, that that they're not improved from where they would have finished last year with a healthy Melo. That's what pisses me off because they had a garbage team, you know, with Melo that eked out seventeen wins that I think would have eked out twenty five had he not missed half the year. Right. So now you add all these pieces. Like we said, we have a competent team. Uh, I think, you know, maybe you lost a couple. If you think J.R. Smith is a weapon, fine. M- maybe that was a weapon you lost. Hard away you lost. Yeah, I didn't think he was a weapon. I think he's one of the least efficient NBA players. I think that'll be borne out. And I, I think Jerry and Grant's going to be an immediate improvement okay. on that. Calderon is healthy. I mean, he's got to be better than he was last year in some ways. And then you're only adding, right? I mean, Lopez, Aflalo, uh, you know, Serafin, O'Quinn, uh, look, I'm not saying that they're going to win 50 games. It's an impossibility based on the talent they have. They just don't have the talent. But I do think that they're going to be a team of like NBA veterans mixed with some youth that's going to contend for 35, you know, 35 wins. I think, you know, I think they'll be there, you know, in in April with the uh, whoever, Indiana's, Detroit's, Milwaukee's, and it'll be a conversation of, well, which of these two of is four or five teams are going to make that that playoff run, and that's that's why my logic is a healthy mellow is not going to be on a team that wins twenty five games. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I mean, I think there are. To be fair, I'm I'm going to phrase this in the form yeah. of a question, so you know, I don't because I'm yeah. I'm going off of memory. I feel like they weren't playing really well at all before he went down, though, right? I mean, there was no, a nagging yes, injury mellow. Yeah, but it was right? a nagging injury mellow. I mean, it was... An, and he Look, to be honest, he was coming off of the peak of his career in a lot of ways, too, which is sad because, you know, people think of Mello as this black hole, this hog. Only in the past two years has he really improved on some of those other facets of his game. So, you know, look, what I'm saying is I just think... Listen, I, when ESPN predicts that your team's going to win 25... Pisses games, you off. I want you to be pissed yeah. off. I, I want to be on a podcast that, that, of a Nick a Knicks podcast where the host is pissed off at yeah. twenty five. And you know, and I argued a couple of years ago when they said they were going to only win thirty six games after the fifty four, and they only won thirty six games. Right. They hit it on the head, and and uh, <laughs> so that's you know that same, really, same writer. I hope not. See, no, I hope not. Uh, so anyway, so that's I said my piece. I think you know thirty five wins is a little bit more uh, where we're going to see our Knicks. Look, I think your Pistons might win forty. 42 games. I don't think they're going to win more than that. I think um, the Bulls, you know, if Derrick Rose is facing uh, sexual assault charges that might weigh on him, 
this year for the uh, gangbang, uh, alleged gangbang from his girlfriend, you know? <laughs> was it an alleged gangbang? I wasn't even... Yeah, yeah, he slipped through a Mickey, apparently, alleged, allegedly. I was decidedly anti-looking into that until it was substantiated by more than just yeah. TMZ. But, like, she I... dated him. I don't know. It's always weird when it's, uh, yeah, it's you one dated of somebody who then... Uh, Derek, Derek, in my eyes, is innocent until proven yeah. guilty just by the uh, sort of the context yeah. of this case. I mean, the bottom line is the Eastern Conference is garbage anyway. So you could, you know, you could sneak in... Uh, not even playing that well. I don't like. Well, the that's Raptors. my. That's sort of my thing. I mean, all of these games when we switch twelve games uh, on yeah. in the plus or minus against these teams are against mostly each other. So, you know, a team that like a Charlotte was ranked three or four teams better than the Pistons. That that's a little offensive, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte's they're bunk. They are just bunk. So let's look at uh, the Western Conference. Then let's, you know, again now they've come out with their predictions there. Uh, so their predictions for the Western Conference is, you know, they've got Golden State, uh, San Antonio, uh, Oklahoma, Clippers, Rockets, Grizzlies. Uh, that's the top six, I believe. I don't know if they have the whole standings, but basically not a ton of change. Right. Uh, should there be? Really, they the really top. shouldn't. Um, you know, the uh, the most obvious is let's let's you know let's take the Lamarcus Aldridge move and just put a bunch of a bunch of credit in the Spurs camp. But uh, and I think rightfully so. I think he's going to be a monster there. I um, mean, but a lot of teams added. I mean, look, well, Houston yeah, added Lawson. I mean, Lawson. I mean, uh, yeah. Pick up and they're healthy. Houston wasn't healthy at all. They were least healthy of the teams that made a run. I mean, the fact that they made it to the Western Conference Finals is the thing about the West that makes me that. that the reason I'm extremely interested to watch the West this year is this. The two teams that I think, well, two of the three teams that I think improved absolutely the most in, in the most bona fide way other than sort of bottom guys maybe getting some premium draft picks are the Clippers and the Rockets. And both yeah. of those are teams that legitimately improved. They short up problems that were obviously yeah. gaping problems in their game. Yeah. But they're both teams that I don't trust when it gets down to it in the real playoff yeah, in the real you know trenches of the playoff fight. So now, um, Clippers, even though they did it in the most melodramatic, haphazard way possible, managed to shore up their bench, which is obviously a problem. Yeah, but they still that does not do away with that does not placate any of what they clearly have, which is in some way, shape, or form a chemistry issue. Yeah, and a and a, and a way to really get things done against maybe the hauntings of their past and so on and so forth. So I want to see how that plays out. And with the Clippers, it's going to be tough because a regular season success won't really show me too yeah. much. And also you can't win a championship with Lance Stevenson on your team. Well, that's that's sort of what I'm saying there. Is that, is that even, like even the things Smith. that I think them, I think J.R. Smith's the same reason the Cavs won't win. It's like I just have a thing about these these loose cannons like they just don't belong on championship teams i don't right. know but the the argument for the clippers the thing that you might hold some optimism with even with that being said yeah. if you believe that little in in lance is still that with that even without him and his what he'll obviously bring to improve in terms of numbers for yeah. the team is is that it's it's better than what they had last year when they beat the spurs and when they yeah. were kind of in so i can't argue with their effort last season, the postseason, I yeah. can only argue with the results, and some of that was based on Chris Paul being hurt with his hamstring yeah. at the absolute wrong time. Yeah. But some of them also has Austin Rivers, the coach's son, being the the second behind in command to run the floor behind your all time yeah. uh, Hall of Fame point guard, and and things like that are still 
are still problems, and an injury or two throughout the season can create those problems all over again and make them worse. I, I don't believe I, I'll never believe in the Clippers, you know, for those reasons and the fact that I just don't think Blake Griffin has champion DNA either. Uh, I I believe in in Harden's championship DNA. Actually, I think he's a closer. I think See, he's the I, kind of guy I, who's I a closer. Don't, my my gut. My gut, I'm more inclined to feel the way you've described those other two guys. I feel like he doesn't have that quote-unquote championship yeah. DNA in my heart. But 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 I, I believe he has more of the possibility of somebody who can prove me wrong yeah. this season, for example, and just be like, no, 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 do, do I you, do have Do you believe that Golden State could actually get any better? No, how could they, they get can't, better? Right? They can't get better. But last, I feel year like was a perfect, they, last year was a perfect season. It was it was an absolute... So they can't get any better, so that means they can only get worse. Right? Or, or, stay, or the stay the same, same, which to me yeah, is Yeah, but you is can't stay excellent. the same, right? I mean, you can't really, even like, you know, when the Bulls won 70 games, you know, the next year they kind of... Well, the Bulls won their 70 games in their second championship run, actually. I think it was, you know, year two of their three-year run. Well, what would be interesting this year is, you know, at some point, maybe even a little less than you would have expected... Uh, Coach Kerr took some heat for the way he was playing uh, Curry. He, he left him out of a lot of fourth quarters, but they had a lot of blowouts. Even that being said, even with Curry missing a lot of the fourth quarters, which is you know one of the discredits for his. Oh, MVP by the run. way, you're going to see his numbers explode if they're in closer games this year. That's a good point. Explode, too. people! It'll be funny. I want to actually. I want to tweet to all the people who are like, "Look at Harden's numbers. They were so much better." <laughs> When Curry's putting up forty a game because he's in the fourth quarter of close games, if that happens, they may just blow people away again. Well, that's the yeah, that's the point. I want to see if they're just as dominant. I think they'll they'll probably be a little bit closer, and then they'll also have to manage their season with a little bit more of a sort of with a little bit more of a resourceful you know idea of what they're going to have going on in the postseason. I mean, theoretically, Harrison Barnes still has room to grow. Sure. Theoretically, Clay Thompson has room to grow. They expressed interest in making Festus Azealia a bigger part of their offense. I believed in him uh, from from the moment I first saw him play, and if he gets into an offensive group, they'll have just as much depth yeah. in that center, power forward position. Yeah, that's I, I look. I'd love to think the Spurs have one more run, but I just I don't know. I, mean, I don't know about the Spurs either, and that yeah. was what I was getting at. Is that um, listen, the Spurs? We just keep believing them and calling this age a sensation. Well, last year they aged. Yeah, and and. And Tim Duncan would have blocked Chris Paul's shot two years ago. Well, and he was one of the most excellent guys on the floor. Yeah, in that yeah, series. yeah. No, I'm just saying, but it's a game of inches. You and know, and Tony of... Parker to me was 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 ineffective yeah. completely. He's on the decline, and and in a point guard driven league, it's just not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to hide him anywhere. No, going you know in the playoffs, going every night up against these guys. I mean, look, I would love to see this. Look, I'd love to see Oklahoma healthy on all cylinders. I'd love to see Westbrook and. Durant fully healthy. I, I just knock on wood that Durant comes back and just murders people. Right. You know? Murders yeah. people. Uh, so I do want to get back to, um, you know, that they, they've got the bottom, sort of the bottom of the West. They, they've they got the Pelicans. The Pelicans are interesting because they haven't really added enough pieces, unfortunately, around Anthony Davis. Because uh, I think, you know, he has the potential to be the best player in the league this year. Agree or disagree? I absolutely agree. I thought even last year he might even come out with that. Um, you know, he, he, he has some nagging injury stuff that keeps kind of harassing him. But, uh, you know, he's on that trajectory, and he just continues to astound on both ends of are the they floor. Get, are they doing him a disservice with the team that they put around him? No, I don't think so. I think that we're being a little bit impatient with that organization. Fourth year. 
fourth year is not really that you know to me that's not that that long into it with a guy like him he I think they I think I think the team wasn't fundamentally prepared to have him the first year or the second yeah. year they had him I uh, wasn't crazy about uh, Monty Williams and mm-hmm. um, you know and so on they have a brand new coach coach coming off being an assistant coach in a squad that had a first-year coach go all the way, right, so right. that's good and bad. In that, it's good that you know he has that experience and that and that optimism, but he also has that, I guess, latent pressure to to deliver something along yeah. those lines. But I I think that Dalvin Gentry is a fantastic. Is there a coach. chance for them to surprise us and sneak up a little, or is there, there is, no room there at the is. top of the um, list? It, it, what you said though, they didn't put the best team around him, and they do have some really sort of weird roster spits that uh, fits. They have you know they have these these. Um, kind of obsession with Omar Rashik and, and all kinds of weird things that, that, that I feel like they, they think that they need to force to keep Anthony Drew Davis. Holiday will be healthy this year. That's a really good thing for them, and that's something that I think Ryan is Anderson wasn't possible. very healthy. Ryan Anderson, though, he and I, I I'm not, you I really want to see him have you, a pickup. You, you and him are not BFFs? You're, you're, you don't love his game? Oh, no, no, I do. I, I, I was going to say, I just thought, I mean, I, I hope that that injury wasn't a sustained thing that, that yeah. you know, he's not, he's not He's I've never, I've young. never, I've never liked chubby shooting guards. So Eric Gordon doesn't really fit my mold for. Eric, but Eric, Eric Gordon is the kind of guy that he'll come out in in, in the middle of uh, you know January and, and he'll play two weeks of sensational basketball. Oh yeah, he'll give you difference. two weeks. He'll give you a good two. Well, weeks. I'm not saying he's just going to give you two weeks. I'm not. I, I've always liked Drew Holiday, but it's just not a it's not a good enough team in the in the West to I don't think. To They're not good much. enough, but I think that they'll show some improvements, and I think yeah. that if they have something that they can build on yeah. for next, they year, have Dallas making the playoffs over Utah, which I I don't see that. Uh, I think uh, maybe that was post Exum's injury. I don't think that that's going to be that's a big 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 bummer, but it's not going to be a big factor. I think Utah will be fine. In fact. There's even something to be said about the possibility that Utah will win more games with Exum. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you on that. I, I'm looking at their roster, and I think that's a play. I think it's a playoff team. Actually, they are a playoff team. I, 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 feel I mean, you're going to see improvement them. from Gobert, Favors, Hayward, all those, all of them, everybody, yeah. the point guards that they do have. I'd uh, like to see. I'd like to see Utah be able to. Um, be able to apply a system that that is a little less patient with getting the ball in the hoop. Um, yeah. Last year they were good at really running these long pick and rolls that would just yeah. involve a lot of ball reversals and eat up clock, which is why they had a lot of 91-89 yeah. game type things, um, which is what they needed as a young team incapable of, of, of really going on, yeah. on a Blitz Creek type run. But, but this year, um, like you said, with another year under everybody's belt with um, – with Gobert maybe being more confident on the offensive end with uh, Stifle Tower, that's a great nickname. It's a fantastic nickname. Uh, he's a great player, and uh, I, I I think he's going to be Stifle Tower. He's going to. I think he's an All Star this year. I yeah, I mean, hey, DeAndre Jordan's an All Star. He's better than DeAndre, I think. He's already better than DeAndre, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, and um, and you know the numbers might not bear that out because DeAndre yeah. does two things really, really, really well, and uh, you know so. You can see why he had such a such a heavy-handed courtship, but yeah, and then they got the bottom feeders. Look, I mean, they don't think the Suns are going to do much. I don't think they're going to do much either. No, uh, they have the Trailblazers at eleven, winning thirty-one games. I don't even think they win that many. I think they're going to be way worse than people think. Yeah, I mean, that thirty-one seems a tad high to me. Is how are you going to win thirty-one games in the West? I don't, I don't, I don't with a with Dame Lillard as your only like well star player. I, mean, I think in a way. The Trailblazers kind of did a little bit of what the Knicks did, and I think that they got competent players. They uh, got competent players, 
quickly in anticipation yeah. of their downs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. So they've become a rebuilding team, but they're already Don't in they that they have Al- Alaminu? Farouk Alaminu? Isn't he one of their pickups? Yeah, I have to go over. There's a couple pickups that they, they made yeah. that I really liked. I think, I think was it Ed Davis? I think Ed Davis is. No, you he's always Toronto. liked Ed Davis. I like Ed Davis, but he's actually on Toronto. I keep thinking he was on the Blazers. Yeah, I mean, they picked up Noah Vonley. Noah Vonley, I like that. I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, yeah, they did pick up Ed Davis. It was probably yeah. Okay. They picked up more Maurice Harkless. I guess that's a big, you know. They've got they get they got some good. CJ McCollum. They've got these tank guys. mode players. Yeah, CJ McCollum is no, is but none of these guys player. are ready to lead a team no. to anything. You no, know? no, and, and probably not yeah. agreed. And then of course you've got not. you know more bo- more to the bottom the Kings, uh, Nuggets, and then the Lakers, and the T Wolves. Can any of those teams make any any sounds at all? Yes, the the I would say. The Lakers and the Kings have a really, really, really long stone throw chance of making a little bit more of a of a run than people give them credit for. Um, the Kings, that's just a pipe dream of uh, completely debased expectations, more talent on the floor than everyone's acknowledged. I could even see the Kings making almost an identical run to what they did last year, where people are like, wait, 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 is this team good? Is this team good? Oh no, 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 they suck. And then some. Then the proverbial spinal meningitis comes in. You think they go ten and nine, and then uh... something along those lines. Yeah, and I don't even know if it'll be at the beginning, but in other words, I think the Kings might make a little more noise than we expect. And the Lakers, I think the Lakers are a team that could, with this young talent, I'm a big believer in D'Angelo Russell. I don't care what we saw in summer league. Uh, the more I watch tape of him, I'm, I'm actually like, I'm really high yeah. on his prospect. So that's a team that would they'd have to get it together earlier than everyone would expect, but they could make a run and and maybe flirt with a playoff contention. And I don't think that depends on Kobe's health, by the way. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not high on them. Uh, I, I'm not I, high on them. Don't, don't, yeah. Mark Mark me is not high on them. I'm saying yeah. among those four teams, I'd give them a stone. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Knicks' two other signings that we didn't really get into depth. Uh, I've always liked Kevin Serafin in the limited times I've seen him brutalize whatever scrub Nick power forwards that he's played against. Mm. Uh, have you seen this guy play a lot? What do you think of him? Yeah, I've seen him. He, I've seen him in that stretch position. They use him off the bench. I feel yeah. like Washington didn't really use him as much as as you would think. I, I think he's got some moves. He's got some range. Like, yeah, I, I felt like he, every time he was in there against second teamers, he was dominating. So I don't know if that means that he's just like a good good bench player on a you know a playing against other teams lesser bench players, or if you know he he's he's just been underutilized. It remains to be seen. Yeah, I know that, you know, he, I think he's one of these guys that people thought wasn't maybe coming along as quickly as they, as they expect him to grow, and maybe they gave up on him a little quick. But I think he could be fine. I think uh, you want to see him just be like a catch-and-shoot guy and then attack any mismatches down low that he can find. That's going to be a good player for you. I mean, I think they got him for pretty cheap. I he was they got a, him for $2.8 million. I mean, I'm looking at... A guy who's six ten, who you know, who can you know really really score from the low post, isn't that? Really it was low? late. They, 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 people were wondering what was going on with his contract and why Wait, he was we, the last man standing in free agency. Is there? Have we heard any rumors? Is he like a you know like a like the guy who is like a nothing on the personal level? If that's I, like I don't get I don't get how I'm always confused. I think it's you know what I think it is. I think there's a game of musical chairs that sometimes happens, and maybe you don't have a good agent or whatever. These guys who are not in the first or second tier looking at the landscape and going, well, here's my value. You know, I should get like a four-year, $16 million deal. And then Kyle O'Quinn gets the $4 million, $16, you know, $16 million deal. And then there just isn't enough cap space from any teams left who are willing to spend. I think the problem is, is that you may be worth that in a vacuum, but at the end of the day, 
a team might rather just save their cap space than just spend it on Absolutely. a Kevin Serafin. And especially in a year when this is the last year we were getting bargain rates because cap space is going to go up so much next right. year. And not only that, I think what you're making is a very valid point. To boot, I think that we undercredit how important positional need is from year to year in a free agent market. What I mean by that is, you know, we go into next year with everyone all up in the air about where Ke- uh, Kevin Durant's going to wind up. Well, Kevin Durant's free agency will have a huge impact yeah. in all of the, you know, everything that falls into place after that. As we saw this year, when everybody waited until all the, the heavy chips fell into place and right. the Marcus Aldridge sweepstakes, and then you find all the signings, almost almost in talent order, right? Descending yeah. talent order, yeah. you see it. No, that, that, that is how it happens, you know? <clears throat> Excuse me, and so I think a guy like Kevin Serafin, um, whereas like this year, for example, if, 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 if unfortunately none of the really big-name point guards were free agents, that would have been a huge windfall for a point guard because they're yeah. a higher need for yeah. a lot of these But I, I guess what I'm asking about Serafin is, right, so Quinn got a four-year, $16 million deal, uh, and Serafin got a one-year, $2.8 million deal. Which one's the better deal for the Knicks? Ooh, that's a very good question. I mean, I think they're both great well, deals. Well, it depends on how we're going to look at it because in terms of... Which is a better deal with what they're going to present now or how you have well, just them. in general, I would rather have a four-year deal at $4 million when because the cap's going up like crazy. A guy like O'Quinn, who averages 13 and 10 and two blocks per 36 minutes. Right, I but, mean, that's, but what that's, I'm saying is, let's say Kevin Serafin uh, overachieved slightly. Now he's going to end up getting a huge deal from somebody. Will it be a huge deal or the Knicks have enough space to get him at, at, a, at well, an equitable deal, right, right? Right, So that's what I'm thinking. I mean, you know, maybe... The sort of Nick theory with Seraphin is let's give him that one year to regain his confidence and play in our system. Yeah, well. I, I, I've, uh, I guess I liked it with Seraphin. Um, I don't like with Derek Williams. Like, I don't, I don't know. This whole one year deal idea is a little. Derek tricky. Williams, you want a one year deal with that? I think is a very you, you important. Think, you yeah, think for so? him, you want a six month deal with him. Yeah, I, I just don't like. The, no, but then that they gave him a player option on the second year. I think, that I, was at a, I think that was that they had to. I think yeah, I just don't like that idea. I mean, look, I, I he's think... going to take your player option because he's because he's Derek Williams. He's yeah. going to have to. I I really like uh, all of these guys. I'm 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 actually curious to see. I don't you know I don't, I, Derek Williams. I'm not saying I like. I don't know enough to say, but I like O'Quinn and I like Seraphin. I'll just be very curious to see if let's say they both average, you know, you know. 10 points and 6 rebounds or whatever, you know, let's just say they both average around there. I'm very curious to see what Seraphin's going to then get on the open market. Quinn's going to be locked up for the next 3 years right. at 4 million a year. Right. Um in a, in a in a market where free agency is going to be, you know, they could, 90, they, they could sign I have, don't have anything in front of me, but they could sign an extension to him early. Yeah, they could offer him an early if they see he's playing, you know, playing well throughout the year. Uh, so I, I look. I like those. I just think that's good value. I like the Knicks getting good value for the first time in in it's ever tremendous value across ever, the roster. You know, ever for the Knicks going. Okay, well, oh, do we have a guy who knows anything about salary? Oh, we do have a guy who works. In, oh, we have a guy who, who knows the salary cap. No, that's good. I'm assuming it's not Phil Jackson. I assume they hired somebody who's a little bit more cutting edge about the numbers for the first time ever. There's definitely some difference in culture, and and even in in. It, Obvious, like overt change in how they view value as yeah. a team. Uh, whoever's making this call, what, what do you certainly th- less of a James Dolan yeah. imprint on the roster this year than ever before. How many points do you think uh, Porzingis scores in his first game as Nick? 
<laughs> I just have to give you a number on that? Yeah. All right, how about this? Over, under, I say uh, 12. And his first game is a Nick. We're assuming, is he going to take the floor of the first game? Absolutely. Season? Oh, I'm going to have to go under 12 points. Really? For his first game ever? Sure. Yeah, I think he's going to end up scoring 16 points. You saw that dolphin out there in dry yeah. land that I did, right? No, I know. It's I think take he's going to score 16 then. points in his first game. I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited. All right, hey, I hope uh, so too. But uh, so um, Put me under the gun here. Yeah, and 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 so you know you're a big you're a big Pistons guy. Uh, what can you tell us that maybe we haven't you know that we're not that we don't all know about this team this year that we're going to see from the Pistons? Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, the Reggie Jackson signing was really not as will we'll really will pan out, and I think people will quickly realize that. It was a, a solid long-term signing. I think that that the discussion about him being overpaid and, and overextended will fall away quickly because I think he's going to fall into that system, be ready to go right away. The other big thing is prepare for a giant run from Stanley Johnson for Rookie of the Year. Wow, you heard it here, Stanley Johnson for Rookie of the Year. Uh, next week we're going to have uh, a big Toronto Raptors fan on to talk about what's going on in Team Canada up there. Uh, so, Mikey, uh, tell our listeners uh, where they can find you and, uh, and uh, let them know what, what you got going on. All right. Well, at the moment, I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter as Gmall, which is uh, G-M-A-L-L. And um, coming up in about two weeks, I'm going to debut the new podcast with a new title. It's G-Ball. G-Ball, uh, like just G-Ball. So, just, just like my name, but with the B instead of the M, it, it just seems like it, it, it's just too too clever to refuse so stay tuned for that um at gmail i'll have all the details coming forth in the next week or two gonna be a ton of guests and uh you'll be one of them i'm sure we're gonna discuss a lot of nicks on on both sides of this thing so i look forward to it i'm very excited about this season all right well thanks for listening you can check us out on uh soundcloud or uh itunes uh so we'll talk to you soon